Hello, I'm Shane Hartsfield, pastor of Beaver Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ or questions about our church, direct you to our website, beaverbaptist.com, for our contact information. Weekly, we study exegetically through books of the Bible. And now, join us as we dive into today's passage. Last night, I had to get a prescription filled. I hadn't been feeling very well. I got an infection in my stomach. And... um, I'm leaving today after we finish our lunch. My family, we're going to my in-laws in Georgia to spend the week. And so I've been uh, not feeling real well. And so went to the doctor and found out that's what's going on with me. And I thought, well, that's a week. I'm going to be away from home. And especially being Thanksgiving season, I wanted to be able to eat. And so I went to the doctor. They gave me a prescription. And I went to get that filled yesterday. And one of those drive through things. And I drive through and she said, well, they're... There's a problem with your prescription. You can't get it until Monday. We have to order it. I said, well, that's not going to work because I'm leaving tomorrow to go out of town for a week and I need this medicine. And I said, well, what do I need to do? I've never done this before. Um, you know, you pick your prescription up and it's ready or not. But uh, this particular case, I needed that medicine. So I asked her what I needed to do. And to say the least, she wasn't real helpful. Um, and I said, well, what do I, you know, what, how do I go about getting this prescription? I understand you don't have it, but I've never had to do this process before, you know, and, and so what, what do I need to do? Can I find another pharmacy or, or what? And she just kind of hem on around, and she really didn't want to help me, and I, I didn't know, you know, people have bad days, right? So we give grace. I said, well, how about this? You just tell me the name of the prescription. So when I call, because, you know, they don't, doctors don't give you, you know, prescriptions like they used to. They just call it in for you, and I don't even know what the medicine's called. So she rattles off this name. You know, she might as well have said supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, you know, because I've got my pen and, and I'm going to write it down. And she's, I'm looking at her and I'm like, are you serious? And she didn't offer, hey, I'll, here, I'll write it down or, or give you the whatever, you know. I'm I just looking for help. Please, just, I just want to find out how to get this medicine and, and whatnot. She said, well, and she told me the name of it. You can just call it, it's, it's Prevtab. Just tell them that. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And so I just pulled off. I'm like, good gracious, you know, I'm not getting any help here. And so I didn't really know what to do. And, uh, and so I just started calling other Walgreens pharmacies. And I finally I called and talked to this lady. Her name is Andrea. And um, it's just one of those deals where, you know, after you get this help and you really need it, you think, I wonder if that was a real person or if that was like an angel, you know, or what. But this lady was so helpful. In fact, I told her, you know, this is the medicine, and I told her the name of it. She says, well, you don't want that medicine because that medicine will cost you $700. I said, yeah, you're exactly right. You're reading my mind. I don't want that medicine. She says, well, why didn't they just tell you the, the, the generic name? And I'm like, ma'am, I have no idea. I just want the medicine, and I'll do whatever I have to do to get it. I'm going out of town tomorrow. I'm going to be gone for a week, and I'm pretty miserable. I just want to get the medicine. She says, well, let me call some other pharmacists. We don't have it here in stock, but let me call some other um, pharmacy, and that's what she did. She called these other pharmacies. She said, I found it, but it's in Memphis. I said, well, that's okay. And she said, well, you know, you, know, you could call like a, a Kroger in Atoka or in Covington, or you know, call these different pharmacies. They may have it too. And I said, oh, okay, that's what I'll do. And so she said, but what, you know what? I'll just do that for you. Just, just stay on hold. And I'm just going, oh, thank you so much. And so she gets on hold. I'm on hold for a long time. She comes with Okay, Kroger didn't have it. All right, I'm going to call Boatwrights. 
And so I'm still on hold. I'm just sitting there. And this lady works for Walgreens, right? And she calls boat rights. Well, they don't have it. And she calls, calls, look, I'm sorry. I found it at this store. It's in Bartlett. I said, I, I don't mind. What do I need to do to get, be able to pick it up there? She said, I'll just call them and, then, and send this over, and they'll have it ready for you. She said, but make sure you get there before 6 because we close at 6. I was like, thank you so much. Like, you've been so helpful to me. Um, I was just overflowing with gratitude, and I got her name, and I'm going to do something for that lady. You know, at least call the manager and say, you need to give this woman a raise, right? But I was so thankful. And the reason I was thankful is because I wasn't expecting that because I'd kind of had a bad experience already. I wasn't really expecting someone to be so helpful. But I was thankful because this woman went above and beyond. I mean, she didn't have to do all those things. I mean, she worked for another company. She didn't have to call these other places, but she did that because she wanted to be helpful. And I was so thankful. I got my medicine. I started eating it last night, so I'm going to feel better soon. But, it, but it's fitting today. We're talking about Thanksgiving because it's Thanksgiving week, and we're looking at the one psalm in the Psalter of all the 150 that is called a psalm for giving thanks. Hunter read that for us. Uh, and we let him do that today because it's his birthday, and that's my birthday present for him today. Happy birthday, Hunter. You and Andy, there may be some other folks that are birthed today several years back, but happy birthday to you all. Psalm 100. Remember, as we're, we're walking through the psalm, there's several things we keep reiterating, um, just some hermeneutical principles that we've talked about. We shouldn't take this figurative language literally, remember that. We should pay attention to the parallelism, right? We have two lines that are saying the same thing in a different way. And also to determine the original meaning, that's what we need to do before we try to um, apply it to our lives. So just throw those out there. We're not going to probably come back to that much because we don't have a lot of parallelism in this psalm, but I want to review that with you because that's how we learn uh, is, is by reviewing. Two points from our text this morning. It's a rather short text, but the first thing we're going to learn today is we are commanded to delight in the Lord. True doctrine leads to delight. Look at those first three verses. And I don't know about you. Some people don't write in their Bibles. I write in my Bibles. I take notes and, and write and color code and all that kind of thing. So I would encourage you, if you do that, to underline the, the action verbs from this psalm. Notice the commands in this psalm. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. That word make, I would underline that. Look all, look all the to, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. It's another action verb there. Serve. Come into his presence with singing. Another come, right? An action verb. Verse 3, know. Know what? Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That word enter, that's an action verb. Give thanks to him. Give thanks, that's an action verb. Bless his holy name, right? Bless his name, that's an action verb, Chris. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. You notice that there's commands there, things that we're imperatives, they're things we should do. They're not optional for us as God-fearers, people who love the Lord. But notice the tone of the psalm. There's commandments given, but what's the tone of this psalm. It's happy, isn't it? Look at the words joy. Make a joyful noise. Gladness. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness, right? Singing. When do we sing? When do you sing? In the car, in the shower. But why do you sing? Typically you sing because you're happy, right? My kids, my, Seth is, is he's a 
for the most part, he's, an ha- he's a happy child. And he just goes around the house all the time. He's always singing. Why is he singing? He's just, he's just a happy kid, right? Likes to sing. And, and you do the same. You sing when you're happy, right? There's words of thanksgiving, giving thanks to the Lord. Bless his name. All these words. That's the tone. The tone is a happy tone, right? A delight. And that's what he wants us to do. It's, he wants us to delight in him. He doesn't just command us, Larry to do these certain things, but he says we not only do them, but we do them with the right attitude. Now think about that. Jeff, I don't know about you, but I'm not always delighting in the Lord. I'm not always glad. I don't have joy always. What do we do when we don't have joy? He's telling us to do these commands, do these things, right? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Serve the Lord. Come into his presence with singing. We're, we're to do these things, but we're to do them with the right attitude. That's, it's a command. It's not an, an option. What if we aren't glad feeling? What if we don't have a lot of affection for the Lord? What if we are not joyful what if we don't feel like singing? What do we do? What if we aren't thankful? Actually, at this moment, what if we're ungrateful? Think about the when I, we're going through numbers in one of our Bible studies and the grumbling of the Israelites. You remember the story when they were rescued from Egypt, redeemed and rescued, and they passed through the waters, the Red Sea on dry land, and they, they're headed toward the promised land. And one of the characteristics of their pilgrimage is grumbling and whining and complaining. They were ungrateful, right? They're ungrateful for the Lord feeding them every day. So the Lord gives them quail. Ungrateful because they don't have water, so he gives them water, right? Ungrateful as, because Moses and Aaron are leading them, right? And they didn't want to be led. There's ungrateful folks. What happens when we're not grateful, when we're not joyful, when we don't serve him with gladness? What do we do? Deuteronomy 28, 47, and 48, the Lord threatens Israel with some frightening consequences if they don't serve him. Not just serve him, but serve him gladly. Look at this. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and lacking everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. And that's alluding to the exile, right? It's going to happen. Then why were they exiled? Because they lacked delight in the Lord. They were ungrateful people. That was one of the reasons they were exiled, right? To the Assyrians and to the Babylonians. This message today is for all of us, I think. It's, it, we have some happy folks, some joy, joyful people, some thankful folks in here, but we're not always thankful. We're not always joy, joyful. We don't always serve the Lord with gladness in our hearts, right? We don't always delight. One of the, a person has said this, that the hardest commands in the Bible are not the commands to serve, not the commands to abstain from something or to forgive someone. The hardest commands in the Bible are the commands to feel. How you, how you feel towards the Lord? You delight in Him. We're commanded to do those things. Make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Hunter, we're, we're commanded to be Delighting in the Lord. How do we do those things with gladness? How do we, how do we obey verses 1 and 2? We're, 
The writer of this psalm tells us in verse 3, why do we serve him with gladness? Why do we come into his presence? Why are we singing, right? Why do we have joy in our service? Well, verse 3 tells us, it's not because I, t- I told you so, right? We do that with our children. Do this and do that. Well, why? Because I just said so, right? The Lord doesn't tell us that. He does tell us to do it, but he gives us an, an explanation in verse 3. It's the reason for verse 1 and 2. It's the ground, or maybe you could say it's the motivation. Why do we obey verses 1 and 2? Well, because of verse 3. We need inner motivation, don't we, to be glad and to have joy. We need inner motivation to sing to the Lord. And what I want you to know, look at verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. That word know is very important because knowledge, knowledge of true things leads to affection, which leads to action. So we first of all have to have knowledge of the Lord, who he is, what he's done for us. And then that motivates us. It gives us joy. That gives us delight in him. Then we can obey the Lord. Notice it says in verse 3 that know what? Know that the Lord, he is God. Now, we can know with absolute certainty who God is. He is Yahweh. He's the covenant-keeping God. He's the, the God who called the Israelites to himself. He's the God who knows all things. He's the God who commands us to obey him in many different ways. Now, it's interesting when the Lord commands us to do things, he's commanding them to, to praise him, commanding the Israelites to sing a new song. He's commanding them to be joyful. Now, we, we can't do that, can we? Jenny, you've got, you've got to respect me. You're going to respect me, right? You're going to be thankful for all I've done for you. How's that go over? Yeah, Jason, it doesn't go over well, do we? We do that with our wives. We can't command, demand these things, can we? But the Lord can. Amanda, you feeling that? Yeah. Brian could do that. Brian could do that, right? But most of us can't, right? Yeah, you, you just don't do that. But the Lord can, and why is that? Look at, look at verse 3. How is it the Lord can, de- can demand that we be delighting in him, command that we be coming to his presence with song in our heart? How can the Lord command us to serve him with gladness? It's because, look at verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. and We are his. How can the Lord do that? Be so demanding. Expect so much out of us because he's our creator. He is the creator of all things, right? In fact, our very existence depends on the Lord. We are created in his image. We are to bear forth his image to the world. Yeah, he can do that because he's... God, if you see a beautiful piece of art or a beautiful painting, you see something wonderful someone has made, what do we say when we see it? We want to say, who made that? Who painted that? We read a beautiful poem. Well, who wrote that, right? You want to know who's responsible for it so you can give them accolades, right? You can give them praise, right? Yeah, this is the Lord. He's creator of all things. He can demand whatever he wants to of us, right? And we should give him praise. We should be thankful. Look at verse 3. We are also his. He owns us. Now, 
Morgan, if you play basketball, sometimes we, we use that terminology when we're playing sports, like, oh, he owns you. That's not always a good thing, is it? That's never a good thing, right? To be owned by somebody, right? But for the Lord, it, it should be our delight to say he owns us, he created us, and we are his. Notice what it says. We're the sheep of his pasture, Psalm 95, verse 7. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands. And we could go on and on and on about that, but we are shepherded by a good shepherd. He is a good shepherd who loves us, and he cares for us, and he provides for us. And we could all testify, us believers, we could testify for the rest of the day about how the Lord has shepherded us and how he's cared for us and how he's given to us. So the Lord is God. He is the one who made us, and he's also our shepherd, right? So what happens when we're, we don't have delight in the Lord? We're not delighting in the Lord. We don't have joy. We don't have a song in our heart. What do we do? Well, we, we press on, don't we? And we obey and we fight for joy. Well, how do we do that? Well, back to verse 3, we have to know who God is. So it kind of looks like this because we all have days like this. We don't have a lot of joy. We don't have a lot. We're not delighting in the Lord. So what do we do? Well, maybe on your lunch break, that's when you go and you read the Scriptures. Read the Scriptures to be reminded about who God is and His character. Maybe it's a, you send a text to a friend, right? And I'm having a really crummy day. My attitude is not good. You ever do that? I do that sometimes. Man, I'm having a bad day today. What do you do? Respond back with some Scripture, right? Who God is. We need to be reminded of who He is. We need to be reminded of, of what he's done. And we do that in the scriptures, and we can help each other with that. And it's a good thing. to It's a delight to be made and to be bought and to be owned and to be shepherded by this wonderful God. We're commanded to delight in the Lord. True doctrine leads to delight. We have to remind ourselves of who God is. We have to preach that to ourselves. Remind ourselves who God is and his character. The second thing we're commanded to do is to, we're commanded to be thankful. We're commanded to be thankful. And, and again, true doctrine leads to thankfulness. Look at verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Being thankful is also commanded in the New Testament. Commanded to have a thankful heart. First Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So you're kind of like, well, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to be passionless, but I'm going to fight through my passionless day, and I'm going to get her done. I'm going to obey the Lord. And we have to do that sometimes, don't we? Because the delight, the affection for the Lord is not there. So what do we do? We just fight for it. We continue to obey, and we fight for it. Reading the Scriptures, remind ourselves who God is. We have to preach to ourselves. God is the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's given me every good thing that I that have. He's never changing. He's the same yesterday, day, and forever. We have to remind ourselves of, of who he is. He's the creator God who used his very words to speak this world into existence. The God, God is a just God. No sin goes unpunished. But he's also a merciful God. He doesn't give me as my sins deserve. So we need to remind ourselves, Hunter, of that over and over and over all the time. We have no delight. We're lacking in joy. True doctrine brings about delight, and true doctrine brings about thanksgiving in our hearts. Thankful people are focused on the Lord. 
Notice this, this psalm. There's five verses. God is referenced 17 times in this psalm. It'd be good if you went. What I did in my Bible, I just circled every reference to God. Very focused, theocentric psalm. Thankful people focus on the Lord. Ungrateful people, what do they focus on? Themselves, yeah. Psalm 92, verse 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. It's good to give thanks, right? This is a good time. I don't know about what, what you do as a family. Hopefully, Thanksgiving, when you get together, those of you that are leaders in your home, it would be great if you could just say, hey, let's just take a moment to be thankful. It's Thanksgiving. Let's take a moment to be thankful for all that the Lord has done for us. Look at verse 5. It tells us why. So you have this command. This is what you should do. You should, be, you should delight in the Lord. Why? Because He is God and He created us and he sustains us and he shepherds us. We should be thankful. Why? Look at verse 5. Again, this is the ground. This is the motivation. Why are we to be thankful for the Lord? Because the Lord is good. Lord been good to you? Yeah, he has. James tells us, chapter 1, verse 17, that all good gifts come from above, from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Where does our good gifts come from? It comes from the Lord. He gives us what we need. Right? He gives us undeserved favor. I mean, just think about it. Brian, you're on the deer stand with your son. Brian saw a bunch of deer last week, and he didn't shoot them because he thought, you know, this it'll be fun for my kids to do that. And Sammy yesterday killed two deer. And that, that experience you had, and some of you don't hunt, you're like, I don't really understand that. But it's just a neat thing to experience with your kids. And so Brian got to experience that with Sammy yesterday. But that's a, that's a wonderful gift from the Lord, right? Yeah. It's a wonderful gift from the Lord. He's good to us. Andrea at Walgreens, she was good to me. So what did I do? I was so thankful over and over again, expressing my gratitude. Thank you so much. You did not have to do this, and you have been so helpful. You have helped me tremendously today. Thank you, right? Yeah. He says his steadfast love is eternal. Steadfast love is eternal. His faithfulness is for all time. You know, it's interesting. I, I recently talked to a, a buddy of mine that I knew in college, and we were really, really close. We're roommates and probably better best friends at, at a moment through college. And um, as we got out of college, moved our separate ways. We just kind of it's hard to keep up. And I would it seemed like I was the I was it was a one sided deal where I was always reaching out to him, da da da. But he was always busy and you know whatever. Well, I hadn't talked to him in a decade, and talked to him recently, and just kind of caught up on family and where we are in life and. He said, man, I really appreciate you reaching out to me. He says, you know, I've got, I've got to go. I've got something to do, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to holler back at you, you know. And throughout the, the years, as I've reached out to this cat, you know, this buddy of mine, he's just really busy. And I kind of let him off the hook. I said, hey, man, I know we only have so much energy and time for so many relationships in life. I just call and seeing how you're doing, just thinking about you, just want to check in. But over, over the years, what I've found is this guy is just really busy, and, it, and the, the affection I have for him is not reciprocated. But it's okay. You know, he's a busy guy, and he's got a lot going on. But, but there is an aspect of it where that kind of lets you down, kind of hurts your feelings a little bit, you know. That's, that's life, isn't it? And we all experience that. We let people down. We, we only have so much energy and time. So I kind of let him off the hook. But, but it got me thinking. I was reading through this. You know, people, we, we let each other down a lot, but the Lord doesn't. He has a steadfast love. He's, he's faithful. He's a covenant-keeping God. He never changes. He's always going to be faithful. He doesn't let us down, right? 
Yeah. True doctrine about God leads us to thankfulness. So to be thankful, what do we have to do? We have to preach to ourselves, remind ourselves who God is. Read the scriptures. It's telling us who God is and what his character is like. But for some reason, instead of having a thankful heart, we have a sense of entitlement, I think. We're not focused on the Lord. We're focused on ourselves. We're entitled to good things, right? The Pharisees. Turn to Luke chapter 18 real quickly. Luke chapter 18, if you have your pew Bibles, it's page 1042. We're going to read through this. Just, just um, I think it's to be helpful. Luke 18, verse 9, verses 9 through 14. This is the parable about a, a Pharisee and a tax collector. Luke 18, real quickly. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. You know the story, right? Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. He was a good fella, right? Kept all the rules. Had all his ducks in a row, didn't he? And one was a tax collector. Tax collectors, if you remember, they worked for the Roman government who was oppressing the Jews. They would take the money from the Jews, give the Romans their share, and they would pocket the rest, right? They were... They were an immoral. They were wicked people in that day and time. Notice what the Pharisee, what he does. He stands by himself and he prays to God, God, I thank you. He's thankful, isn't he? <laughs> What's he thankful for? I'm thankful that I'm not like this other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. That was his attitude, right? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. You got it all together, huh? Verse 13, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector didn't even look to heaven. He just beat his breast. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. The Pharisee, a little kind of sense of entitlement. Well, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, right? The Lord, you, you owe me. The tax collector, have mercy on me, a sinner, right? There's a thankful people, people who are grateful. They, they're, they're, there's a sense of humility in these people, right? Sense of humility. They're, they're being thankful because they're not entitled. Think about it. We're, we don't have a thankful heart. We're, we're, we're thinking about ourselves, self-absorbed, egocentric people. But humble people, what do we, we say? Well, you know, I don't, I don't deserve anything but hell. You've heard that, right? Everything above hell is a privilege for us. That's true, isn't it? There's a, a pastor told this story I want to share it with you. Afshin Zaphat, he's a pastor, and he tells a story of getting on a plane. It was a Southwest flight, and on those flights, it used to, I'm not, it may have changed since then, but there was no assigned seat. You just got a ticket and got on the plane. Well, it's first come, first serve. So guess what seats get filled up first? It's the middle seats, right? You've been on a plane. You love the middle? No. Nobody gets in the middle seats. You hate those, right? Yeah, so what do you do? You get on the, the aisle seat. So everyone got on the aisle seat, and, and, and the last people getting on the, the plane were just kind of pilfering in and getting whatever seats were 
were available. You know, it's one of those deals, a small plane, and they, they sit in the aisle, so what they have to do, every time you want to get it, they have to get up and let you in, and it's kind of a hassle. But nobody wants to sit in the middle. But this man got on. He was one of the last aboard, he and his son, and he went to the first aisle, and the, the aisle seat, and asked this lady, hey, do you mind? I'm with my son. Do you mind if you move over to the middle and let my son and I sit in the, the aisle seats? Well, she was appalled, right? Well, no, I, I got on here first, and I got out the seat, and she, she wouldn't do it. And then the pastor telling the story, he says, you know, I thought about that lady. She was appalled. She couldn't think of giving up that seat because she got here first. And rightly, it was hers, right? First come, first serve. But he said, I just imagine her having this different scenario when she gets to the, uh, the, the gate and they'll find out the, the, the flight's been overbooked. And he goes on to describe this scenario that he was thinking through. What if, what if she gets on the she can't get on the plane because they say it's overbooked and there's no room on the plane. And she's telling the, the lady at the, the gate, listen, I've got an appointment. I've got an appointment tomorrow. I've got to get, to, I've got to get home. I have an a, important appointment that I have to meet. And she goes on and on. Is there anything you can do? Da, 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 and there's nothing they can do. And finally, somebody that's, that's about to, to board says, you know, uh, I don't have anywhere I have to be today. Why don't you get on the plane and I'll fly back, I'll, I'll fly back tomorrow. And so the man gives her a seat, and so she scrambles on, and she gets on the plane. He says, what would her attitude be if she sits down, and then someone else that came on after her asked for her to move seats? What would, she, what would she say? She would jump at the opportunity to move seats. And why is that? Because at that point in time, that woman was just happy to be on the plane. There was no sense of entitlement. She's just thinking about, man, this guy did something for me he didn't have to do. Receiving grace, right, from other people. It's all about it, your perspective. Think about our own lives. It's, it's by grace that we're even on the plane, isn't it? Yeah. Well, those initial recipients of this psalm, they're commanded to delight in the Lord, for he's the one God who created all things. The Israelites, they were God's chosen people that he shepherded and cared for. How much more should we who live under the new covenant on the backside of the cross and the resurrection, how much more so should we thank him for who he is and have delight in him for what he's done for us? Knowledge of God leads to affection, which leads to action. And there's some days, Blake, where we just get through. We just grind it out. We just, mm, I just got to obey. I got to do what's right. I want to do what the Lord wants me to do. But the Lord here commands us not just to struggle through it. He demands us to be joyful and have gladness in our hearts, a song on our lips. That's hard. That's a hard Knowledge leads to affection, which leads to action. How do we apply this to our lives as we close? We, as we're going through the Psalms, one of the ways we've been, if you see your worship guide, I've got an outline there, and then three application questions, and that's what we've been answering as we're going through the Psalms. How does this Psalm inform our minds? Well, there's only one true God, right? He's our creator. He owns us. As believers, we have been bought with a price. He shepherds us. When 
the light wanes and there's no joy, there's no song on our lips, know that true doctrine leads to delight. Second question, how does this psalm stir the heart? Well, I'll ask you a couple questions. Do you delight in the Lord? Are you, or are you ungrateful? If your life is characterized by ungratefulness, Maybe, maybe it's that you've never repented and trusted the Lord. You don't have the joy of salvation because you're not saved. So as you're talking about being ungrateful, not having delight, not having joy, is that, is that the reason? You know, the Bible says that we're all sinners. We're separated from the Lord because of our sin, and we deserve hell. But Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he came and he took our our punishment for us. He bore the wrath of God in our place. He, he was buried on the third day. He rose so we could be justified. Could it be that you've never repented of your sin? You never trusted Christ's work on the cross as your own? We should delight in the Lord. We read this. These are commands, and maybe we need to repent today of our lack of joy and lack of delight in the Lord, lack of Songs coming out of our mouths because we're joyless. Third question is, how can, we, how can this psalm rightly apply transform our lives? What do we do, right? Well, first, firstly, if you're not a believer, you need to repent and trust the Lord so you can have the joy of your salvation, right? So if you're a believer here, repent of your lack of joy, lack of delight. Be thankful. It's plain and simple. Just be thankful. Delight in the Lord. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.